All right, good morning. What an abrupt way to wake up for everybody today. It's like, all right, Raptors beat the Spurs, I guess. And the Pirtle rumors were just flooding in, and he's in Toronto, and you're thinking, God, don't let this happen. <laughs> and then... Guess what? <laughs> I wake up this morning to a lot of texts. And I, I knew. Yeah. I, I knew I wasn't getting those texts that were people saying, Good morning. Thank God Pirtle went to Boston. Um, I was obviously surprised by the Kevin Durant trade. That was... Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, I, w- I woke up early. Like, my phone was, I-, I usually put it on silent. I left it on last night. I saw the buzzing going on. I decided I don't need to open Schrodinger's box right now. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see his cat. I know the cat is inside. <laughs> Once I open this box, the cat is dead. The cat being my dream of um, a more aggressive approach for the Raptors to this deadline. So here's where we stand today. Um, the Toronto Raptors have traded uh, Jakob Pertl. If you're listening to the show, you know this. Like, if, if you're listening to this right now, you're either listening to the podcast, and it's a while later, mm-hmm. or you were listening to the radio, and you've heard it, you, you're here for the takes. Yeah. I have disappointing news for you. It's hard for me to give the full take until today is done. Let me say this. I don't love it. I, I just, I, right now, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Right now, I don't get it at all. And I never wanted this to happen, and I never understood what was going on. We don't know what the protections are. I have to assume that the protection is at least top 15. Like, it's completely lottery protected. My guess is even top 20. Here's what I have to say about that, though. Raptors just gave up a first-round pick and moved back last offseason. And it was for a trade with the Spurs for a guy on an expiring deal. And granted, Pirtle's far more valuable than Thad Young. Mm-hmm. So that was like, okay, what the hell is happening here? <laughs> but this year in the draft, the Raptors could have drafted Walker Kessler in that spot who would have immediately made this team better and given them everything that they're hoping for with Jakob Pirtle except for, you know, younger, cheaper, more controllable, and more athletic and actually a better rim protector, like go on down the line. There's not too many. Pirtle does some things better offensively than Walker Kessler does. He's got a better feel, but yeah, Walker Kessler already um, better player, absolutely unquestionably more valuable than Jakob Pirtle. Here's the other part of this. I don't understand how an organization that drafted OGN and Obi 23rd, that drafted Pascal Siakam 27th has all of a sudden become rather flippant with their draft picks where they go, don't worry, we can move off the 20 something pick. I think it was 22. That would have been Walker Kessler. No big deal. We can move off that. We can move back. Okay. Christian Coloco better be one hell of a hit. Hey, we can trade a first round pick to acquire the bird rights of Jakob Pertl, the right to play, pay Jakob Pertl 60 plus million dollars a year, a year, 60 (laughs) 60 plus million on a contract extension. No, but he'll probably make between 15 and 20. Yeah. My um, guess is somewhere in between. Yeah. I, I, I just don't get that part of it. Everyone goes, you know, we, we talked about this yesterday with Will Lou, and he was bang on where he goes, you cannot just get rid of talent when you're the Toronto Raptors because at this point, you got to be brain dead as a Raptors fan to think that this is a free agent destination, okay? Like, we're done with that now, right? Yeah. Nobody's still believing that. No one's still believing that we're signing guys here just not happening 
the the track record of free agents from the inception of this franchise to now is a tire fire. It's an absolute disaster. Yeah. They've never really been able to do it. They can retain some guys. They've done that in the past. Even now, who feels overwhelmingly confident that Fred Van Vliet would resign here or Gary Trent Jr. would resign here without getting massive, massive, massive amounts of gu- uh, money mm-hmm. that don't compare to other places? Anyway, um, this franchise was built on those picks. They won a title. Because they were able to kind of draft and develop. And I would say I count Fred Van Vliet in that discussion a little bit, but he was undrafted. And so that actually kind of lends to the case of, hey, it's okay to trade those picks because you can find those guys. The problem with the Raptors recently is why they have no depth is like they haven't hit on those picks. Like they missed out on Malachi Flynn. They haven't kept other ones. They don't have Coloco that's ready for them. Mm -hmm. The one guy that represents real hope for this future was a lottery pick. And again, this first rounder that they've traded is going to be top four protected of a thousand percent. Okay. Yeah. Like we still don't know what the protections are. Maybe when Grange comes on, he can shed some light on that. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that information is still being kept a secret either way. Um, it, the, the picks in the twenties have mattered for the Raptors mm-hmm. and the picks in the twenties have mattered to the Raptors to the point where they don't want to reset and they don't want to rebuild because they feel so good about the guys they picked in the twenties having been drafted and developed by this organization and having turned into OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. So I, I really don't love that. I just right. don't. I do not like it. I think that centers who protect the rim and clog up your offense who don't shoot the way that Jakob Pertl does should not be that coveted for a team that is frankly not going anywhere this season. Here's the other part of it that I don't like. Raptors are decent, okay? And we've seen this. They have good pieces on the court. Part of what was appealing to me about this team selling and not adding was that it's really competitive in this mix of teams at the middle bottom for improving your lottery odds. And I'm sorry, but the chance of being able to land a Scoot or a Weminyama to me is far more valuable than the quote-unquote playoff experience that could be gained by this group. Mm-hmm. And, and get, don't get this twisted. Barring some kind of insane trade, which would make absolutely no sense because trading for Jakob Pertl and the right to pay him does not indicate that you're tearing anything down. The Raptors are going to make the playoffs this year. And and they're probably going to go on a tear down the stretch of the season. Relatively speaking, a tear. And I think that part of this is disappointing people as well because they know that this move is saying, okay, we're probably still going to trade Gary Trent. Might trade OG Ananobi. There are clearly some fit issues here. We might try to grab a bunch of picks. We might try to retool on the fly. To me, that's kind of the, the most attractive option at this point. Mm-hmm. But we're not, we're not going to suck. We're going to be good next year. We're going to really, really try to be good next year. But in the interim, we're also going to be pretty decent. We're not going to lose to the lesser lights. The Look up the standings. Uh, that's what's ahead of the Raptors right now. Like, Do you feel as though any of those teams are, are better than Toronto up until you get to, like, what? Four, four with the Cavs, right? Like Nets, Heat, Knicks, Hawks, Bulls are in front of the Raps. Mm -hmm. You don't think the Raps could beat any of those teams? That the Raps wouldn't be favored at home against any of those teams, regardless of how the season has gone? They would be. And and they are. Even for them, they probably look at this and go, man, we've matched up pretty well against the Cavs this year, even in a season where we've sucked. Mm -hmm. And now, hey, we've gotten a center to play against your well-meet. This team is not a championship contender. And barring incredible developments from Scotty Barnes and some kind of roster rebalancing, 
I, I just don't see where that is. And so I'm, I'm reserving judgment about this move as a whole because I need to see the full picture, and I think we all do. And I'm not going to get trapped in, this is a disaster, and I, I was getting all these messages about Masai today and about the Raptors' direction. I, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with the principle of Jakob Pertl. I don't like the idea of trading for a 27-year-old big who needs a contract extension when you already have so much uncertainty about the guys you have to extend right now, and it costs you a first-round pick, which to the Toronto Raptors is valuable no matter where it ends up landing. This is not a team that's contending for a championship. That's when I think you move picks. I don't like the idea of moving picks when you're kind of in the lower class of the middle of the NBA. And even if you think this team is talented and you squint, which I do too, like I see what you guys see sometimes, which is that game against Sacramento where the Raptors look awesome, where you go, man, when the pieces are clicking and the guys are playing well, this team can stack up against just about anybody. The game's against Cleveland too. They have had real moments. Mm -hmm. It feels like they're ignoring too much of the other stuff right now. It feels a little bit like they have said to the market, we will accept a trade for a couple of these players if you completely blow us away, but otherwise we're kind of comfortable running it back. And I don't, I don't know how I feel about the running it back. It's like everyone has always said about Masai Ujiri, like, hey, he doesn't want to be in the middle. He doesn't want to be in the middle. This kind of feels like some middling move so far to me. This kind of feels like remaining in the middle, remaining competitive at the cost of trying to actually change your product. Right. Um, as for Pirtle, he is a good player, okay? Yeah. Um, I didn't think he was very good last night. It was actually a pretty disappointing showing. But I'm going to guess that that has something to do with the fact that he's playing on one of the NBA's worst teams. And I think he knew he was being traded to the Raptors last night. Yeah. There's a little moment that's floating around on social of Siakam dapping him up, as he said, in the free throw line. <laughs> and I missed that during the actual broadcast itself. But, yeah, that actually did look like an indication to me that they Siakam knew. knew what was going on. That's more than, than just being friends. Um, again, a good player. Grange wrote in his piece today, though, it's like, uh, Sky hasn't exactly been on stellar defenses. And there are some analytics that show potential decline with Jakob Pertl as a rim protector. I think he's a smart player. Well, listen, we've seen Jakob Pertl here. And yes, he's developed since then. Mm -hmm. He's a smart basketball player. He's a big body. He's someone, though, that you're really looking for, what, 28 minutes a night from? He's a piece. And there are real roster fit questions with this guy. Like, are you really going to run out Scotty Barnes, Siakam, Pirtle? With regularity, this is a team that has struggled with shooting this year. And they didn't add any of that. Yeah, they needed a big man, but I'm, I'm, I still believe that it's easier to acquire somebody like that who's in the realm of Pirtle than giving up a first-round pick and two seconds. Right. Especially considering, again, this front office's history with draft picks and the whole thing that they're trying to build around is two guys that... They drafted in the 20s, a guy they got undrafted, and then, of course, the fourth overall pick. Anyway, um, Michael Grange joins me now, senior columnist for Sportsnet, uh, NBA insider. How are we doing today, sir? I'm good. I'm good. How are, how are you, J.D.? I'm good. Um, I, I think you, you and I are the same in that this is really hard to evaluate on its own, right? Because on its own, it looks insane. <laughs> but there's, it does. Like, there's got to be more coming here. I guess it's just like, what, what do you, where's your expectation level at today in terms of, like, degrees of swings that Masai Ujiri could be taking? 
Um, I think they could be some pretty big swings. Um, I'd probably be interested, more interested if there are, obviously. Um, you know, I think the one thing this signals is there has to be a move. I just don't see how there can't be because, you know, you got you just traded for Pirtle, who's a free agent, who's going to want. I mean, between Pirtle, Gary Trent, and President of Lead, you've got three guys who I, are expected to be in free agency this summer. Mm-hmm whose starting salary combined uh, next year would be about 70 to $75 million. And the Raptors, you know, there's almost no way the Raptors could sign all those guys and not be in the luxury tax without some really heavy-duty roster moves. So, um, you know, and, and I, just, I just don't see – so I just think there has to be more moves and, and – you know, maybe things will be more, there'll be more clarity at that point. It'll make a lot more sense. Right now, it seems like a kind of commitment to mediocrity or a little step above that. I mean, I mean, I, I think you made good points off the top. Hecker Pearl's a good player, um, but he's not by himself a guy who moves the needle. And you know, and, and even if you add him to this group and you kind of best case scenario with it. I mean, I, they still don't profile as a as a team that's that's deep enough that has enough shooting that you know could seriously take a run in the East. But um, so we'll see. You know, and I don't think you really end up looking at all those and going. There's a path to becoming that team mm-hmm. unless something really interesting happens today. Yeah. So, and and this is what I find strange about it too. Okay. So there's there's clearly okay to me. This is me reading the tea leaves. I should probably just ask you a question, but I, I <laughs> you know, I struggle with this. Uh, I'm here reading, to listen, JD. Reading the tea leaves, it looks like you, you don't trade for Jakob Pertl and say, we're stripping things down. You're saying, we're going to try to be competitive next year. We're going to pay a center, you know, probably somewhere, like I mentioned, between 15 to 20, probably, you know, in between million dollars. Okay. Yeah. You want to be good. You're not tearing it down. Okay. But the swings you have, they, they involve the, the three best shooters on your team. And this is a team with no shooting. <laughs> and yes. I, I like, that's the part of this. I keep looking at and going, so they're just going to just never shoot. <laughs> like they're just going to give up potentially Gary Trent jr. Because it still feels like he's got to go. It would be shocking to me if he stays, maybe they move off OG and Anobi. And then you have a team that has Scotty Barnes, Jakob Pertle, Pascal Siakam. And yeah, the, the rest of the guys on this team that can't shoot. It's just, it's, yeah, that's the. I, I'm really having a tough time putting those pieces together. I agree, and um, you know, I think it's kind of another way to look at it is that they're sort of committing to supporting, um, at the very least, Pascal Siakam, right, who's uh, soon to turn 29, I believe, like he's mm-hmm. still 28, um, and and you know, that's versus saying, you know what, like. You know, we kind of have reached a ceiling with this group, and so we're going to pivot back and and really kind of invest in our 21 year old Scotty Barnes and our 24 year old Gary Trent and our 25 year old OG Ananobi. Um, you know, I think if if that had, you know, I I don't see that the path when you're kind of investing in Jakob Pertl, who's in year seven at 27, and sure he's got years left. Don't get me wrong, but it is more of a let's get the best we can out of this season and let's make next season, uh, you know, a competitive one as well. 
And that's not the choice I would make. I, I personally, I, I would be much more inclined to kind of circle back. And as I mentioned, like, you know, Scotty Barnes is, let's at least find out if he is what we believe he is and make him the kind of centerpiece. And, you know, and, and you know, Ananobi and Trent Jr., just based on their ages, are more, you know, fit in that timeline a lot better. And, you know, and let's let's flip a page here. Let's look ahead. And, and I don't see that that as the case. And as you point out, you know, this team has had three significant weaknesses very apparently all season. One has been bat depth, one has been rim protection, and one has been perimeter shooting. And you've kind of addressed one of those, I would say. Certainly Pearl projects to help you defensively. But he does it at a cost, too, because what happens to Preston Sichua's minutes, what happens mm-hmm. to Christian Coloco's development, mm-hmm. and as you point out, what happens to the spacing <laughs> because you didn't address your uh, your your shooting. So I think I think it's 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 not a move that on its own, you know, makes it screams yeah winner. I mean, it's I think you've got a pretty good player in Pertle at a pretty reasonable price. Yeah. I just question the fit a little bit. Yeah, again, I think that, well, actually, let me ask you that. Do you, do you have any indication as to what the protection is going to be and why this is being withheld for so long? And relatively have, speaking, I, for so long. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the protections are. Yeah, I got, like, I got to assume it's lottery protected because, yeah, if you end up, you know, that disaster strikes next season and that turns out to be a top 10 pick and you use that to get Yucca Pirtle, I just, I can't see it. My guess is 15 to 20, somewhere in that range, but... Yeah, uh, I'm just making, uh, that's just me trying to guess because it's just, it makes so little sense. That's, I'm glad you brought up that part of it though. I feel like that's being neglected a little bit is we've seen these nice steps from Precious this season and they've been fleeting and he's clearly a guy that, you know, struggles with consistency, his hands. I don't know if you can develop that a lot better, whatever there's. There's holes with Precious, he's undersized, whatever. But he was hurt for a lot of the season, and he's at least shown flashes. And you would think, like, hey, this is a younger guy, part of the core. Let's see more of this rather than put a guy in there that is going to eat up a bunch of his minutes and who he clearly can't play with. I I don't know. That was a weird one. Anyway, um, Gary Trent Jr., is your sense still that, you know, he's kind of an automatic trade? Because he was someone that was very much involved in, hey, maybe they're moving him to get a pick that goes in the Pirtle deal, and then he doesn't end up being a part of it. Yeah, I've actually been kind of the opposite of that. I've sort of been of the mind that there's a really good probability that they don't trade Kerry Trent Jr. Mm-hmm. And um, that goes to, you know, my thinking there is, is one. I mean, I think we've probably talked about before. He's certainly earned his share of fans in the organization this season, the way he's conducted himself. Two, he's, you know, he, you know his chief skill is something that the Raptors really need. And three, he's 24. And four, you know, I don't think that they're in a great risk of, you know, him being swept out from underneath their feet with a deal they can't match. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, unless you're trading him in a package for, you know, something in a bigger swing, for example, that, that kind of fixes more than one of your needs at once, then, you know, I, I can't really see I could be wrong where a one-off trade improves you, especially now that, as we talked about with, with Pirtle being added, you're more likely wanting to, you know, compete this season. And then of course, if you lose him in free agency, I'm talking about Trent Jr. Um, you know, that's a complete screw up, right? So I think you're not, if you're 
getting through today with Gary Trent Jr., then you're operating on the assumption you're going to be able to sign him. And I think it's more probable or not than not that, to me, that they would keep Gary Trent Jr. The interesting I, thing... Unless he's, in, he's, he's included in a bigger deal. Sure. Um, you know, I, I have been on the other side of that. I will say it makes more sense to keep him now, certainly. Um, I wonder if it helps the Raptors a little bit that it doesn't feel like there's this massive, robust market for Gary Trent. And every time you have a conversation about why that is, it's, it's like, well, is he a rental? And then if he's a rental, pure rental, you're not, you know, going crazy and giving up a huge amount of picks for him. And then the, the money question has always been the big thing with him, right? Is when people bring up Tyler hero money and, you know, yeah, I talked about happening. Yeah, <laughs> he's not getting that money. But that's that's I mean, what I mean is maybe just yeah. a, I was trying to kind of ask you that is like he, the price seems to maybe have come down to a more realistic place for Gary Trent Jr. Yeah, I mean, I think I think somewhere in the four years, ninety million range, mm. and you know the the, the comparisons that have floated out there because they're young, they shoot well, and you can kind of parse them statistically in the same neighborhood at least are Anthony Simons who got a hundred million. Uh, Tyler Hero, who got, I think, 130. Yep. And Jordan Poole got 120, maybe a bit more, depending on um, you know bonuses. But the key fact there is all three of those guys got that money, at, uh, you know, with their own team. And, you know, to go out in the market as a free agent, you know, this is Gary Trent Jr., you know, money, that kind of money, he's not getting it, <laughs> right? It's just not existent. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a player of his caliber, I think, you know, and so I think um, the best chance for him to get paid is probably staying in Toronto on an extension. And uh, Gary Trent Jr. is a good player. I don't think he's as good as those other three players. Mm-hmm. Um, so he probably gets a little less. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so we talked about this off the top, though. It was like they have three free agents. <laughs> and if you're being asked to fork over $75 million and then be a luxury team, like it's one thing to be a luxury team when you're the Suns and you have a new owner and you get Kevin Durant and you go, okay, you know, that well, makes you're, sense. You're, you're trying to win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense when you go, hey, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green, thanks for like all these championships. Um, yeah, we'll keep it together. Um, it makes less sense when you are tenth uh, in the East. <laughs> you know, it's it's harder. It's a bit of a harder sell to. Yeah, again, not new owners who are looking to make a splash. This sort of leads to. It, then, in your estimation, does it kind of feel like Gary, or sorry, Fred Van Vliet is the odd man out here that the Raptors explore a trade for him today? I think he would definitely be, uh, you know, someone who's there's a reason his name has been out there. And I think if you look at what happened with the point guards market, so to speak, in the last how many hours, uh, Fred's value has probably gone up, right? Like the Lakers, the Lakers got their guy, Timberwolves got their guy. Um, who else moved? There's another one in there somewhere. Mavericks uh, got Kyrie. Mavericks got Kyrie. Yeah. Thank you. How could I forget? Um, and so, you know, so if you're in the Clippers and you still think you need one, maybe you need one even more because of what's happened in the West, then, you know, and I can say with, for a fact, the Clippers have been very interested in Fred Van Vliet for weeks and months now. Um, maybe, you know, maybe you pony up and, and, you know, the Raptors get an extra pick or a little bit better protections or maybe, you know, a, a player that, you know, the, the Clippers haven't been willing to part with. So that's one. Um, you know, but I think the simplest path forward for the Raptors maybe is, I've kind of thought for weeks now, is O.J. Ananobi. And, mm-hmm. and um, just because he's, 
you know, he's an easy fit on any team in the league. You know, all the things he does well, the contract's very digestible. Um, you know, there's some sense that, you know, he's, he's wants a bigger role or an opportunity to play a bigger role than he's had here in Toronto. And so, you know, he's kind of at, I don't know, peak value, but he's at high value. He's had a good season and his profile's pretty high. So I think if, if you can, if they can, and then if you look along the, around the West now, all of a sudden you've got to figure out how to defend Luca and Kyrie Irving. They've got to figure out how to defend Kevin Durant. They've got to figure out how to defend Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Like, you need, if you're Denver, Memphis, uh, New Orleans, and I would say even the Warriors, you know, you 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 need a, a big physical defensive wing who can, you know, who can spread the floor for you, and OG Anobi is it. So I think in that scenario, if, you know, there is a bit of a bidding war that breaks out, I think the Raptors would be wise to, to jump on that because the only place on this roster they have a little bit of duplication, and I'm not saying, you know, OG Anobi is easily duplicated, but, you know, when you look at Pascal, Precious, Scotty, um, you know, that's three guys who kind of at least offer similar qualities that, that uh, you know, whereas they don't have any duplication anywhere else on the roster. So that's how I would tease that one out. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. Uh, honestly, it's it's tougher. Like, the scenario of paying those three free agents feels so strange to me, right? And that's why the Fred or the Gary Domino feels like something where you go, okay, how do they figure this out? Maybe it's the two guys out the door. But the scenario with the Clippers has just... There's always been a couple things that I I don't feel like that's what it would happen. One is that the the roster players that are coming back, it's like, and I, I guess maybe again, Pirtle changes this if they're trying to win right now. It's like 26 year old, you know, sneaky old Terrence Mann keeps being stapled into these trades. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, I I watch a decent amount of Clippers. I don't ever watch them going, man. I love Terrence Mann. <laughs> I'm so like, right. what a player. It's like, okay, you know, if he gets a driving lane, he can he looks nice at the rim. After that, yeah, whatever. It's, he's a whatever player. And then people are like, oh, you could throw Robert Covington in this or maybe Luke Kennard. Well, I don't think they move Luke Kennard. And there's just no machination of it that's ever made sense, especially no picks. And then it's like, what leverage does Kawhi have over this organization anymore, you know, or Paul George? Like, I'm sorry, fellas, but you got no place else to go. Like, this is where you are. And at some point, if you're the Clippers, you're going, whatever future, you know, 2,000 years away picks for us, if you're the Raps, that doesn't do as much for you. And if you're them, I, I don't know. I don't know if you're doing that for Fred. Um, the the OG thing makes the most sense now where, you know, you recoup a bunch of picks and players and some flexibility. You move off of them as a, at a high. Um, the only question is, you know, how does this end up developing? Like, Because you can go of two minds with that, right? Some of those Western Conference teams going, boy, this other team got KD now. Like, are we really trying to push all our chips in the middle? And then the other part of it that I thought got a little missed yesterday is, aren't we sure that the Nets don't just try and offer bridges up to the rest of the NBA now too, and he floods the OG market? That's a possibility. I mean, the only comment I would make there is, Mikael Bridges is pretty much the centerpiece of that trade. Like, Mikael yeah. Bridges is really good. So um, good. So, you know, if you're the Nets, and unless you're trying to blow it up even more, mm-hmm. um, he would be a guy I think you'd absolutely keep, and maybe you're it's uh, Royce O'Neal's of the world you're trying to pedal off. But, he's decent. Um, yeah, he's decent. He, I mean, he's, it's not OG. Not the same not OG. So, so, yeah, I, I, I'd be pretty amazed if they were going to turn around and, and trade Mikael Bridges just because – 
you know, I think he's better than OG. I think, you know, he's young, he's on a good deal. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, you'd be pretty crazy to trade him. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, I love Bridges. Like, it's just, yeah, watching him even the other night, like the ball handling at that size, all you wonder is how is this guy only averaging 16 points a game. That's always with every game I've seen of Bridges. He scores a ton of points. And then I guess every game I don't watch, he scores like four because I've never seen him score less than 20 points. Um, all right. Well, uh, I guess, I guess that's it. Grange. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I'll say and, yeah. and in somewhat of, you know, some defense here is, yeah. you know, the Raptors are better than they were yesterday. Right, like they yeah. have acquired a really serviceable NBA big who they know very well. That's a big thing for them. You know, they have always kind of not wanted to go into free agency because they, you know, you never know exactly what you're getting, or even with trades. But this is a guy they kind of raised themselves. They're very confident in, um, and you got him for nothing, right? Like, I mean, Ken Birch, we all love him, good dude, but wasn't wasn't a factor. Mm-hmm. And you know, that 2024 pick. We'll see, right? But right now, that's not hurting your roster. So, you know, you are a better team as is and a deeper team because you didn't have to really move anyone in your rotation. And so that's, you know, I think that needs to be recognized. Um, But, again, I I think making it all make sense requires something else to happen today. And, and, you know, and I kind of was tweeting about this, and, and it's, you know, second hindsight's always twenty twenty and all of that, but really this is just a kind of a tumble down effect from them kind of deciding that at the trade deadline last year that, you know, flipping from what ended up being the twentieth pick in the draft to the Spurs pick at number thirty three in the Thad Young deal wouldn't materially affect the quality of the player they could get. I think they you know, and and you know like that was their logic and, and I am second guess. Yeah. Well, I am second guessing and saying, well, like the kid, the kid who went number 20, the center that went number 22, Walker yeah. Kessler at Utah, who will be here on Friday. Yeah. You know, that's who you wanted. Yeah, right? He's if pretty good. I know. For, I've no, that's my Walker Kessler big, Shot blocking mobile, yeah. big. Yeah. He's the one. Yeah. And, uh, no, Paul, I don't, that's to say, you know, Christian Coloco can't someday be a pretty effective player, but uh, that you know, Kessler is right now, and you know he's, you know he's he's going to get consideration consideration for uh, defensive player of the year one of these years. So, um, you know, so yeah, second guessing for sure. But you know that was their logic at the time, and you know it clearly was was a miscalculation. Yeah, it was, and it was even weird to see Thad Young's name in the rumors for what could end up going back to San Antonio. I was like. I'm sorry, but just even from a PR standpoint, you can't have this. Like, I don't know if they had to throw. Like, you cannot, you can't be giving Stad Young back a year later. Going, never mind. Uh, thank you, San Antonio. Please enjoy that that draft pick that you got from us, and we'll keep our Christian Coloco. Um, you know, you're around this team a lot. You know, you documented your travels. You know, your amazing packing skills. Like, wow, that's pretty impressive. I gotta say, I felt like a real slob because I'm a big time just like stuff all the clothes into the bag guy like I, I i'm a disaster like all my clothes are always wrinkled and it's that yeah i'm a disheveled human being when i'm on vacation i make no apologies for this i at best i do the roll move you know just roll up everything and that's it but that works yeah um how much of this portal thing do you think too is just like he's a guy they like and a good locker room guy because 
that's the one part of this that when I watch the Raptors, I don't understand them sort of making this double down thing and why I've been so much more of an advocate for, hey, move off of this team because there are just so many moments this season. And I know every losing team, it's easy to kind of pick this stuff out, but they're talented, right? Like they're far more talented than Charlotte and San Antonio and, you know, Detroit. They're more talented than the rest of the teams that are ahead of them. That's what makes it so frustrating. Is there like, who's going to doubt they're going to leapfrog the Bulls, Hawks, Knicks, you know, maybe even the heat, the nets are going to fall down. It wouldn't be shocking to me if we finished the season and go, Oh, how the hell did the Raptors get into six in the East? And you go, well, because everybody in the East sucks. So I get it. But they just, I, I was talking about this with Will Lou yesterday. There's so many times they don't play for one another. There's so many times where the body language is just piss poor. There's so many times where they look frustrated and defeated. And I don't think it's just a fluke that they've been so bad in these 50-50 games down the stretch. Like, uh, yeah, just this is kind of an open-ended question and maybe it's not even fair, but what's your read been on just this group and the way they get along, the chemistry, the intangibles, like what you can glean from being a guy who's close to it, but yes, Grant is still on the outside. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's been great. And, you know, but I, I you know, I, I would caution you see there's a big difference between not having really good chemistry on floor and guys being at each other's throats. Like, I, I've, I've had no evidence of yeah. that or even inference of that. But, you know, I think what's a pretty... You can observationally, as you pointed out, can kind of notice. And what's kind of been confirmed as you kind of poke around is, um, you know, NBA teams are, they're almost at different life stages, right? And, you know, and there's a reason I think teams that win have a very clear, when I'm talking win big, have a very clear hierarchy with, you know, top dogs, paid big dollars, you know, kind of supported by, you know, vets who've, kind of are paid to accept the role and, and understand it very well. And, you know, maybe some young players who are kind of on the come up, like that's a very common profile for, you know, elite teams. And then at the other end of that scale, you have kind of young teams, you know, you got your OKCs, your Orlando's, um, and, you know, a couple of other examples who are, you know, everyone's kind of growing together at the same time and, you know, and, and, and there's not so much conflict as to, you know, where they stand because, you know, the big questions for their career haven't come up yet. And so that, that can be a kind of a fun ride. But then in the stage where I believe the Raptors are kind of at is you have a lot of guys at the exact same critical moment in their careers. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, and it's not, it's not personal, right? But it's like the success of one person or the emphasis of one person, you know, it, it material effect materially can, or perceive at least the perception can be, it's affecting the opportunities of another. And so, you know, the more Fred Van Vliet has the ball and, you know, trying to try and put together a, a year for him and a contract year, you know, that can, or at least the perception can, it's, you know, taking opportunities from OG Ananobi, the more Pascal Siakam, you know, works to establish himself as an all-NBA player, um, you know, that can sort of take away some opportunity from, you know, Gary Trent Jr. Like, I mean, it's I'm not saying exactly this is what's happening, but I'm just trying to paint a picture of how you've got guys each at kind of, you know, inflection points professionally. And it would be nice if everyone could could really, really accept that, 
that if, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats and if, if everyone, you know, does exactly what's best for the next person, then, you know, everyone gets paid. But mm-hmm. it's just almost an impossible thing to ask. And it doesn't mean the players involved are selfish or problematic or anything like that. It's just the way the industry works. And, and that's sort of my take on the whole thing. And, and I think one solution for that is to kind of, you know, are you going to really going to be able to go forward with all four of Pascal, Scotty, Fred, OG, and, you know, and, and just financially and in other respects, the answer might, you know, I would, I would offer is no. And, and you know, we're going to find out either today or in the summer who, who, you know, doesn't end up uh, kind of staying with the program. I think that was perfectly articulated. Like, I think that's just, yeah. Nail, hammer, all of it. Um, that's a perfect way to go out. Grange, obviously the columns have been awesome. Um, yeah, you've been doing a great job reporting, and I know it's a busy day, so I appreciate you making time to do the show. JD, it's my pleasure. You uh, you enjoy the rest of your day. See you, pal. I'll try. It, uh, will, my mood will be, I hate this about sports, is that my mood will be deter- determined by what happens today. And, and I felt that this morning where <laughs> I, I get in a shower, and I'm just going, yeah, good. You kind of look like Jakob Pertle, by the way, what? Joe. You got a little bit of Jakob Pertle to you. Does Joe kind of have a little bit of Pertle? Just a titch. Just a titch, he's, though, he's right? not the worst guy to look yeah. like. Yeah. He's a good looking He's a raptor. See, he accepts it because I just looked at him and I'm like, look, I'm looking across the Jakob Pertle right, right now. now. Anyway, um, <laughs> I hate that about me, that it's still true. I try so hard to just be this complete professional. You know, that's the goal. You still want to maintain the passion for the games, mm-hmm. but you don't want to let it alter your mood, whatever. It's you got to reset. It's why I'm kind of hoping I, I was happy with the fact. I like when breaking news happens because I always do feel prepared and I feel like I can show it off and go, Hey, you know what? I'm paying attention to a lot of the stuff. I'm ready to rock and roll kind of whenever, mm-hmm. but I do like having that beat because this morning I woke up reading all those texts. I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like it because, okay, I'm going to reset this just a little bit before we take a break. I think most people who love the Raptors, who watch the Raptors, who invest in the Raptors, know this team ain't it. Mm. And what Grange said there is totally correct. How often does it feel like they're playing in isolation versus team ball? Yeah. And you could say they've had times where they've done it defensively. But overall in the season, they've been a crappy defensive team despite being built around defense. But it feels always like your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. That's why I was even kind of laughing when people are going, hey, Jakob Pertl's a great roller. I went, who's he doing that with? Like, that's not Fred's game. Fred wants the screen. He wants to drive it. And he wants to do the scoop shot around the basket. Mm-hmm. Fred wants the screener so that his defender goes underneath it and he could set his feet and shoot that three. But when's Fred Van Vliet been like... Mr. Pick and Roll. Like, what are we talking about here? What, like, when has that been a thing? Is that Siakam's game? No. No. Nope. It's your turn, my turn. The only guy that really is a playmaking distributor is Scotty Barnes, who didn't have the ball enough for most of the season. And why? Because of what Grange mentioned, mm-hmm. is that they're still prioritizing the guys up top and saying, hey, Scotty, you had to wait your turn a little bit. He was 100th in the league in drives per game. Yeah. Up until like a month ago, for God's sakes, on a team with no depth. <laughs> and he's a six foot nine freight train who can handle the rock and get into the paint against just about anybody. Yeah. How does that make sense? And, and this is what 
stings people, I think, is you were ready to embrace potentially a tank and retool, Mm -hmm. but not just, hey, let's win some games this season. Let's get into the playoffs and have some fake positivity. We won a playoff round in the against the Knicks. Toxic positivity. Who cares? Who cares? So what? You're going to roll into the season with that same feeling of being stagnant? The OG trade kind of has to happen now at this point. Honestly, this team just needs, they need depth. They need to find shooting. They need to find fits better. It just sucks that it feels like they're going to prioritize guys who are going to be in their 30s over the guys who are going to be in their mid to low 20s when this team ain't it. Now you remove yourself further from those picks for what is ultimately going to be kind of a meaningless playoff victory or playoff experience. Yeah. Okay, so maybe it's worth a little bit more to Scotty Barnes and he's the future. What'll probably mean more to Scotty Barnes is that when he's in his prime, which is, you know, 25 to 29, that he's got real talent around him. Yeah. And that it's not depleted because you kept trading first round picks for mediocre somewhat B, middle pieces. B centers. Yeah. Just this is so confusing. This is so this confusing. The Teo trade a little bit, like gives you shades of it, where it's like they trade no, not not exactly, no. but they trade something that you think would set up a a move later on in the day. Like from that regard, the yeah, trade I before guess. the trade, I like it, Joe. Yeah, the, that, that's what I'm getting at. The They're trade before the trade, yeah, just yeah. That's what I'm. No, this at. feels worse because the Jays are trying to win. The Jays are trying to compete, and everybody knew, mm-hmm. like, hey, this Raptors here, take a step back. Yeah. And again, the time they took to step back in Florida. Resulted in Scotty Barnes. Yeah. And let's just be honest here, okay? Because I think that some of the, the stuffs and like the social media things and whatever the hot takes about this front office, they've, they're getting too hot, whatever. <laughs> I think the protection of this front office has gone too far as well. Yep, they brought you a championship. Does that mean you don't ever want to see one again? Does that mean you just whatever? Like you don't care about any of the moves? Because the blanket trust Masai thing only goes so far. Again, you have to wait and see what ends up happening at the end of the day. But go back to 2019 and then everything essentially forward and tell me, show me the hits for the Raptors and this front office. Show me the hits. I can show you a lot of misses. And, you know, I've done this with people privately and it's a fun game and maybe I'll do it someday on here with somebody. But it's, it's a real interesting thought exercise to talk about 2020 because... The Raptors decided to run it back, and it's the most fun I've had watching the Raptors probably since I was a kid and watching them do the 0-1 run with Vince and then obviously the title. But the title run was was amazing. Mm -hmm. The actual regular season for the Raps that year was not nearly as fun. That 2020 team defending the championship, having Kawhi leave, having them play with toughness and for one another and just, you know, the emergence of Siakam and and OG and just uh, the hope and the the like F you to the rest of the world. That was awesome. I love mm-hmm. that year, but you know, the best front offices, they also know when something's over and when to pivot and had the Raptors decided that year to go, you know what? We're going to do the practical thing. And that's trade Gasol, trade Lowry, you know, do the things that ended up being the case a year later. Anyways, trade Ibaka. Yep. Boy, they could have, they could have been stocked up. They, <laughs> it's a, it's a weird timeline to explore. They could have been really stocked up around Siakam and around Fred and around OG. 
They yeah. decided not to do that. They rolled their veterans back. That's okay. In a way, it's okay. But it, in hindsight, entertainment-wise, it was great. From a practical front office standpoint, it ended up being a bit of a failure. Mm-hmm. It was always a reach for them to win. I know a lot of us think like, hey, they could have done it and they were so close in Boston and blah, blah, nah, you know, like I. It seemed like they were still a piece yeah. of it. And, and had the bubble not happened in the, yeah, exactly. I just, I don't think the Raptors were a championship team that year. I think that they were a good, tough team yeah. that suffered kind of a loss that was sort of expected. And we can play different timelines in terms of Siakam's year getting derailed, whatever. But ultimately, like that probably would have been the cold callous thing to do. Mm-hmm. After that, it's like the best trade has been the Lowry deal. But again, that was the Lowry deal that had had to be made in the end. Yeah, That was a position that they sort of put themselves in a box on. And now the guy in the Lowry trade, Precious Achua, is one of the, like, number one, what the hell are you going to do with that guy pieces on this roster with Jakob Pertl, Pascal Siakam, and Scotty Barnes. Yeah. You can't play the... (laughs) Where Play all you, you have to shoot the ball in <laughs> basketball, okay? This isn't peach baskets anymore. Like this, you gotta shoot it. It's 2023, and yes, Yakum kind of can. The rest of them, no. Uh, we'll see. We will see. The next anyway, five hours. Next five hours is gonna be pretty big. I'm, I'm glad to be here for the next one. Um, next hour we have Pat Garrity coming on. Um. If you're old like me, you can remember uh, watching him play a little bit. Um, but he was the assistant GM for the Pistons. And now he's a current front office analyst with Stadium Sports. He's doing uh, shows with Shams today. So I'm excited to chat with him about kind of his read on some of these moves. And yeah, dealing with Masai and what he thinks this front office is doing in this direction. But yeah, it's still, I'm sorry. It just, it feels strange right now. And until we get all these puzzle pieces, it's hard to just go all in and hammer. But my initial feeling is... The, what, like what the rest of you have, which is a real sense of unease. Uh, there's a real sense of unease in this fan base right now. And, and I don't remember having that watching this front office. Anyway, quick break. Let's come back and I'll give you my prop of the day. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Okay, so plenty more Raptors talk. Basically the rest of the entire show. Pat Garrity former Detroit Pistons assistant GM and stadium sports front office analyst working with Shams today in a couple of minutes. But quickly, it's time for action. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in the action. Must be 19 plus. Must be in Ontario. Please play responsibly. I pointed at Austin and he usually that's a drop the clip and I saw the panic in his eyes. There's no clip, bro. I just was fired up. <laughs> You're, Why'd you do that? You're good. I, I didn't do, mean to do it. I just I saw him literally do a full swivel. He's like, "What's happening?" Here? <laughs> well, because I usually point at you and you say to say thank you, and then it was just yeah. a whole thing there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's okay, bro. <laughs> That's so <laughs> mean. All right. So more Super Bowl props tomorrow. God, the Super Bowl has never felt more muted to me because of this deadline and everything that's been going on around it. Leafs, too. It's like Leafs come back tomorrow. I'm like, who cares? <laughs> who they haven't cares? played in a month. <laughs> I know. They haven't played. Who, when, when do they come back? Who cares? They're playing Columbus, too, back-to-back games. Well, oh. well welcome back. Like, you're, get, you get to watch them play the worst team in the NHL for twice on Friday and Saturday. <laughs> like, good luck with that. No, it's a great way to spend your, your weekend. Um Watch it if it's on Sportsnet. <laughs> it's definitely Sportsnet on the Sportsnet family. Yeah, you should watch it. It's good for you. Um, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Super Bowl. This is one of my favorite props. 
all of them, these are all my children. I, I'm betting so many things Super Bowl Sunday, obviously. Like, I, this, just, this is a one day of the year where you can kind of really indulge in a, in a lot for one game. It's just fun. It's fun having a lot of action, a lot of different things in this game. For me, anyways. Again, <laughs> please play responsibly. And if you don't play, it's okay. Um, I'm actually going to give two picks today. All right? Two quick picks. Ah, no, I'll save, I'll save the other one. Because I like a cross-sport one that I think is really interesting. And I'm like, hmm, that's kind of fun. And I don't normally play those ones. But I'll do an actual game pick today. Um, I've mentioned it many times. My game script for this is the Eagles defensive line is very, very good. And that Mahomes, despite saying that his ankle is feeling much better, I'm still a little nervous about it. He's down receivers. I don't think that they can really win on the outside. I would anticipate that Kelsey is obviously going to be the primary. We're going to try to take this away. Juju might have a decent game. Like it could be a little bit more on Juju Smith-Schuster's shoulders. Like we haven't seen as much. But I want to remind everybody about the, the ways that we were feeling about Jarek McKinnon heading into the postseason. Jarek McKinnon was like deciding fantasy leagues. <laughs> he was a guy that people picked up off the waiver wire. And then all of a sudden Jarek McKinnon went... Uh, yeah, I'm just going to get all the touchdowns and I'm going to be the guy. And why is, was he the guy who had, uh, let's pull this up here because I, I want to have these in front of me. I thought I had it in a tab. I must've closed it when I was doing all my NBA, a million tabs for yeah, the NBA. The last couple of weeks of the season, that's right. He had a touchdown reception in one, two, three, four, five, six straight games. He had eight touchdowns in that span. And then we've gotten into the playoffs and he had 11 attempts just on the ground, no targets against Jacksonville, and then four targets for 17 yards against Cincy. I think that he's kind of being forgotten a little bit here. I think that he's being really overlooked. If you're playing a really good defensive line, a team that's going to generate a ton of pressures, and you have a quarterback who you don't want to get hit a ton, you need to make sure that you get the ball out quickly. And as awesome as Isaiah Pacheco has been, my guess is that Andy Reid's tolerance for him making mistakes is going to be very, very minimal. I would just assume that Jarek McKinnon gets a few more snaps in the big game. And so I like a combination of things with Jarek McKinnon. I like Jarek McKinnon touchdowns. I like Jarek McKinnon rushing plus receiving yards, which you can get at a pretty measly 43 and a half, which I really don't think is all that bad for Jarek McKinnon. And I'm also going to be playing his receiving yards over because, again, if, if they're going to be generating pass rush, I think he's going to be a guy that they, that they give the ball to a decent amount. He'll be somebody that gets some looks. So, yeah, uh, I like Jarek McKinnon. I, I think that he's going to be good in this game. Like I said, I like him for a touchdown. I like him for reception or receiving yards. And I like him for rushing plus receiving, although that one I'm probably the lowest on because I feel like if they're going to try to run between the tackles, that is going to be still more Pacheco, and that's a little bit more guaranteed. Uh, that was Time for Action, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19+. plus. Ontario residents only. Please play responsibly. Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at JD Bunkus. I will be sharing more picks, obviously, throughout the week. Subscribe to this podcast, leave five stars, do all those nice things. When we come back, former Pistons assistant GM, current stadium front office analyst, Pat Garrity. All right, five more hours. That's what we've got to see what the hell the Toronto Raptors are doing. <laughs> this is not this is not what people expected. 
this is a very big surprise. Even yesterday, I'll admit, when Mark Stein was tweeting about the possibility of this and uh, Jake Fisher started this tweet about the possibility of this, I think a large portion of the fan base kept thinking, yeah, but eventually Boston will come over the top, right? Like They'll get this done. They're trying to dangle potentially Peyton Pritchard in this deal. Maybe this ends up happening. And then, okay, uh, Raptors, very, very murky, very, very clouded. Five hours to go here with Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster. Let's uh, see if Pat Garrity can help clear any of this up. Former NBA forward, uh, Pistons assistant GM, and current front office analyst with Stadium Sports uh, doing stuff with Shams today. Hey, Pat, it's great to have you, man. Thanks for doing this. Hey, hey, it's great being here. I was uh, I, I went to bed a little early last night, and I woke up, and uh, yeah, I'm still kind of processing what yeah. happened. Yeah, uh, well, you can process it with me because let's just uh, let me let me just get that reaction from you because I think that this one they always say you know trust your gut whenever they would give you. Uh, like training for multiple choice, right? They would always say, what was your first reaction, right? Usually that's the right answer. And I I think you can be informed in this business and I think that you can think things through and that's great. But I think a lot of times the way that you normally feel like the second you hear something oftentimes is right, especially if, you know, you're somebody in your position who actually has been, you know, a front office, like a guy for many, many years and who's been basically, yeah, uh, an NBA lifer. So how did you feel when you when you got that text message this morning? Uh, I mean, that's uh, probably under, probably you're like, I don't care because Kevin Durant got traded. But just if you can try, <laughs> if you can try to remember what your impression of the Pirtle deal was. Let me know. Well, well, the the Pirtle deal to start. I mean, I think that that made it more clear to me that they're absolutely not looking at a, a complete teardown, or or even the kind of teardown where you're taking a few steps back and you're saying, okay, we're going to you know go forward and, and build this team around Scotty Barnes and, and the young players that we draft in the future. I mean, to me, this move says. We're not. We're clearly not one of the top three or four teams right now in the East. Um, but but you know five six. Like I think we can get in the mix this year and continue building with a little retooling. That's that's what the Pirtle deal said to me. I think the difficult thing for me to understand is that it just seems like Gary Trent is going to be out the door this summer. I mean, there's a number of teams you know, particularly Orlando, but, but even LA that I think um, are, are going to be bidding hard for him this summer. And, and I just don't see them bringing him back. And so to me, the fact that, and then the day's not over yet. So mm-hmm. I, I thought he would be the first one to go. Um, OG to me was a guy because he has multiple years left on his contract. There was a little less urgency, um, you know, and, and then now it's, it's looking more and more like, Fred Van Vliet might, might be back. And, and this team, you know, you could certainly let the dust settle and think about running it back with this group in the summer. So how much of this is surprise? Cause you said the thing there that I think is upsetting quite a few Raptors fans today, which is, you know, that they might be trying to value this year again, where they look at the Eastern conference and how weak it is. And they say, you know what, we could make a run up the standings, but like traditionally for a fan base like this, that has a championship in 2019 and, you know, isn't dying to get into the playoffs again. Like, okay, we've been, you know, they're not this, this isn't Sacramento anymore. Maybe it was at one point, you know, the Raptors were dying to be Sacramento at one point in the league, but that's not what this is. This is an educated fan base. Now that kind of knows that being in the middle is sort of the worst place you can be. And how surprised are you at that 
they would devalue this year's pick given, you know, what's at the top and even, you know, kind of what's three through, I would say, 10 in this draft. Yeah, well, you know what I, I think it is? is I, I think that they probably value this team a lot more than, than kind of the, the record shows and the results have shown this summer or th- this year. Um, and, you know, when I, when I look at the Raptors, like first part of the season, um, you didn't shoot the ball well. And, and you said to yourself, this team is a, te- a much better team offensively than they're, they're showing right now. I mean, Fred Benfrey's a much better shooter. They just had a lot of bad shooting luck. And, and that's kind of reverted a little bit. And, they, and I think that they've shown a, a little bit closer to who they are offensively. Now, defensively, I don't think there was any question as you watched their games and you looked at the numbers that this was a bad defensive team. And so I think that that's the, that's the theory that they're going with here is that like the defensive end is our problem right now for, for whatever reason, they can't people, they can't keep people in front of them and they have no rim protection. And so I think going into this trade deadline saying like, we're not a bad team offensively. If we can make a meaningful improvement on our defense by adding some rim protection. And by the way, Jakob Pertl is one of the, probably one of the most underrated rim protectors in the league. Mm. Um, you know, I think that maybe seeing how that works and seeing if, like, we can improve meaningfully defensively and, and where do we shake out? And that probably shakes out at, at a team that's, you know, fighting for the fifth seed in the East. Yeah, I, that's what sucks. <laughs> it's like that's that's such an unappealing. I completely follow everything you're saying. It makes sense. I think everybody hears it and goes, yep, of course. You know, they're way better on paper. Uh, they do have that defensive talent. We've seen these guys and have good moments in the postseason before. Like, we know that they can be tougher. You know that they're well coached. We know the East is kind of crappy and murky. I'm just kind of shocked that this is the direction that they've taken, given, you know, this is a, a front office that is oftentimes talked about not wanting to be in the middle. And so, you know, you're somebody, I'm guessing, did you guys ever try to deal with Masai Ujiri when you were in Detroit? We 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 did early early on yeah um, and this was when o, this is when OG was 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 a rookie I mean there were some things but he's a I think he's a very patient deliberate guy I think that this year was obviously disappointing mm-hmm. but I don't think I, I, my impression is that he's saying look I'm not going to read too much into this I believe in the group that we have here what did you guys try to get a deal done on. <laughs> I can't. I can't go into that. You can but do that. Why say, couldn't you do that? It's just, in the past. The past just, is the past. Let me just say this: I would have been much more happy if we did the deal than if Toronto did the deal. Okay. <laughs> okay. That. That makes. That's decent. Um, so, like, I think that our uh, our buddy Bobby Marks described him as tough but fair. Um, was that your impression as well? Yeah, I think. I think. Um, first of all a terrific evaluator of talent. I think someone who's an independent thinker, no question about it. And you could see that in the way that he built that team. I mean, this theory was we're going to build a team of long switchable, high energy guys and devalue the center position and play that by committee. So, um, you know, I, I think that that's how he is, but, but I also think that he's a guy that's not going to panic and overreact. And he's a guy that's not under pressure, right? I mean, a lot of, a lot of radical moves are made when front offices are feeling pressure from ownership. And since that's not the case in Toronto, he has the, 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 the luxury and the opportunity to be deliberate. Yeah. Um, the, pro- the problem though is, is that it's not the way if, it would be one thing if, if Toronto was in the Western conference where it's a little bit unclear 
in the playoffs who's going to emerge. The East at the top is so tough right now, and they're clearly not in that top three. And I would even say not in, you know, throw Cleveland, and they're not in the top four. Yeah. Uh, again, it's what makes some of this weird um, today. And even as we're looking forward, you know, there's rumors that, hey, Toronto's still going to make another move here, that there's another domino to fall. But I think that the impression that I'm getting from a lot of fans is that people are nervous that because Masai Ujiri is such a tough negotiator that he will not compromise on once he has set a price that he won't come off of it and that you end up missing out on an opportunity to pivot with your franchise when a guy like OG Ananobi is up or potentially, you know, you said Gary Trent might be not be back and you end up kind of, you know, hurting yourself a little bit or hurting your franchise because you, you can't find that ability to step back off of the guys that, yeah, you, you've become very loyal to or that you value as highly or maybe higher than other teams around the league. Do, do you think that that's a fair criticism or at least a bit of a fair assessment? Well, I think that going into, you know, prior to the, to the Durant trade, I think that general managers had every, you know, every right and every reason to, to be asking for high prices because the fact that Kevin Durant was going to be floating around there probably in the summer, demanding a sky-high package, I think was going to make a lot of teams hold on to their picks and not will be willing to do business. I think the fact that that's happened now changes things a little bit where I think that you could see some more movement leading up to the, the deadline here. And, and particularly in the Western Conference, if I look at you know Memphis, maybe not, but, but New Orleans, like if you're New Orleans right now and you had a good start to the season, you have a good group of talent right now, but you're clearly probably falling behind after some of these moves. I mean, that, that could be a situation to me where, um, you know, they, they could step up and potentially try to do something um, as it relates to OG. Like New York to me is a great fit for OG. I just don't see, I just don't see Toronto trading him to make New York better if, if they're trying to be competitive. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I, I kind of feel differently about New Orleans and Memphis. If I'm Memphis, I'm going, yeah, we need to try to get OG because we are trying to win now. We are trying to take that step. If I'm New Orleans, it just it feels a little bit more uncertain because you can't bank on the future of Zion as much. Like, you don't even know necessarily what you're going to get back this year. You hope that you do know. Brandon Ingram, it's been tough as well. And then all of a sudden, the idea of, you know, you moving in all these future pieces when you're not as sure as what you have in Memphis could be a little scary. But if you're in that room, then what, what's the case that you're making to, to do the OG trade and how far are you pushing into the asset pile? Uh, if, well, I think if you're Memphis, what you're saying is, look, we have, we have a ton of depth. We have one of the emerging stars in the league in John Morant. We're a terrific defensive team. Um, and this is just, uh, you know, this just adds another good player. Like, the thing is, is like he and Bain replicate each other a little bit. And, you know, now are you going to go and trade three first round picks for a guy who's probably not ever going to make an all-star team, but you know, who legitimately could be a, t- a top four player on a championship team. Like I'll, I'll give that. I think that there's a, there's a lot of teams that would value OG. I just don't think that you're dipping as, as far in. And they have that position. Like I said, like with Bain, how much of an upgrade is that really, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think New Orleans might be might be a different scenario where they, you know, you're looking at them, you know, they could really use it just because the shooting there has been an issue and you're bringing in a guy who's, a, who's an established legitimate force base who could defend the switchable. I, I think that that one makes 
makes a little bit more sense to me. And if you have Zion, like there's no, like taking the wait and see approach to Zion, yeah. you know, that doesn't make any sense. Like you have, if you're going to have him on your roster and you're going to keep him, you should do everything you can to build the best team. Would you include that Lakers pick this year into a deal for OG? I think I would. I, th- I think I absolutely would. Yeah. Because, because who else are you getting in free agency uh, who's mm-hmm. under contract that you have control over in, in the summer. I just don't see what else move, what, what other move is out there for. Yeah. That's so what, I think that, I think I would absolutely do that. That's where it's so frustrating as a fan when you like are in Toronto, or I'm sure you felt this to a degree in Detroit and Detroit's had a history of sending, I guess, more free agents than Toronto has, but where it's like you feel at a disadvantage to some of these other markets going, well, we have to do a deal like this. Like when you guys do the Blake Griffin trade, you're like, we're not signing Blake Griffin. <laughs> you know, like he's not, he's not leaving LA to come to Detroit. It's not going to go down this way. So you have to be a little bit more aggressive with your assets. Right. And all of a sudden you're going, yeah, we'll throw in our first round pick and we'll add this and we'll add that because yeah, um, we like new Orleans is just one of those markets too, where they're going, we might have Zion. We might have the stack team, whatever. I don't think anybody's signing here. All right, let's get into the other ones because yeah, it's pretty clear with the wraps that OG seems to be that, that big piece that's sort of looming with the rest of the market. Um, we'll see kind of what happens in the, the coming hours here. But, yeah, what were your impressions of uh, the Kevin Durant trade? Uh, I was I was actually surprised. I, I thought that with the moves that the Nets had made and kind of getting clear of, of a lot of the, the Kyrie drama, mm-hmm. that they were going to try to make, you know, make a run at, either toward the end of the season when Kevin Durant got healthy and try to convince him, it's like, look, we have, this, is a, this is a good – team that compete that can compete in the, in the east um clearly like that's you know the package that phoenix stepped up with i think that probably in their experience last summer they saw that this was maybe the best that they were going to get um and so right now it's I, I don't think by any stretch um brooklyn's done i mean you look at their roster with dorian finney smith royce o'neill uh, Jay Crowder. I mean, there's going to be teams heavily bidding for those guys. I think that's another thing that that could that could hurt the OG and, and lower his prices. Those guys are, are highly sought after, and they're going to be on the market. I think for Phoenix, um, look, they were struggling offensively this season. They were a top ten defense. Obviously, that's going to flip now. They're going to be an elite offense, and I think you just worry a little bit about their depth in the playoffs on the defensive end. Um, but you know, when you talk about them having to go up against Denver and beat Denver, Aiton has done a fine job against um, Jokic in their matchups, and so I think automatically that they they are vaulted into a team that you'd have to say is is a favorite in, along with Denver and Memphis in the West. Yeah, I can't wait to watch them. Like having. Like, I've always been just a huge Chris Paul fan, and I thought it was over, you know, this year. I was like, ah, yeah. no, it's done. Well, he is, he is the biggest beneficiary out of, of, out of all of this. He had a, non, he had a non-guaranteed contract yeah. with $30 million next year. I mean, that's automatically going to be Oh, yeah. Chris Paul is very happy. He's made $30 million today. He's like, I love it. I am thrilled about this. I might get a ring and an extra $30 million. That's pretty good. Um yeah, I, I mean, it's hard not to like it for the Suns. Nobody wants to give up a player like Mikael Bridges, but when you're getting Kevin Durant in a return and, yeah, the the potential of winning, it's hard not to knock it. I, that is that is a curious one, though, too, is because you don't think that on paper. You don't go like, oh, Royce O'Neal or uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. Those are OG because, yeah, OG is obviously a much better player than both of those guys. 
But yeah, how much of that conversation does happen in a front office where you go, listen, this guy is available, but we're going to have to push all our chips in the middle. And like how much of a drop off is really going to happen here if we don't have to give up no. assets and we can get this player? You hit it exactly. You hit it right on the head. Like if you're, if you're able to go get Royce O'Neal or Dorian mm-hmm. Finney-Smith and it, and it costs you a first, you're, you're, you're going to go do that. I mean, OG, like you said, clearly the better player, but he's a complimentary guy. And so for the teams trading for him, which have championship aspirations, the drop off from OG to those other guys isn't as great mm-hmm. because he's not going to be relied on to be one of your primary scorers or, or shot creators uh, on those kinds of teams. He's going to be right on to space the floor and defend. How is, is it a lot harder when it's a guy that you've helped draft and develop or advocate for to move? Like, do you kind of need to have that other voice and in the room that is just kind of cold and calculated like that? Like how, how personally invested do front office guys get in, in with their guy? I think early on, that's certainly the case when guys are on rookie scale contracts, because there's just the unknown of the future that, that you, you go back and you look at what you wrote in the film that you watched when you were evaluating that player. And I think that it's no secret that teams value younger players more than, um, you know, others around the league. I think when you get to the stage where, where OG is, which he's turned into a terrific player, they know who he is. He's a known, you know, he's a known commodity to them. He's, I, I think that it's a much more objective viewpoint at this point of a guy's career like his. Um, last one from me, Pat. So it, it feels like you're saying that there's a lot of pressure on Memphis and New Orleans today. Um, outside of those two teams, who are you keeping an eye on? I'm keeping an eye on New York, um, to, to tell you the truth. I, I think that they, they're, they're another team that has a ton of assets right now. Um, you're seeing probably Brooklyn falling out of, of the standings. Toronto's unclear. I'm interested to see what what New York does if if they do any more if they do any more work to try to upgrade their team. Um, they're another team that, even though coached by kids, defensively haven't been great and could use some some wing defensive help. It's probably not going to be OG for the for the reasons that I mentioned, but I think that there could they could be a team that's that's pretty aggressive. Well, we do have a little bit of breaking news for you before you go. The update on the Jakob Pertl deal per Mike Scotto is that. The 2024 pick that the Raptors gave up for Pirtle is uh, only protected one through six, and that's through 2024, 2025, 2026. Um, does that change at all your opinion of the deal? Mm, not really. Mm. I mean, the, the pick looks good if it's a if it's a top ten type of pick. You know, even if things fall apart, I don't see I don't see Toronto being one of the one of the you know, five or six, you know, or 10 worst teams in the league. I, I don't think that that's, I, I think that that's a, that's a reasonable price. I, I, now I, they're going to have to step up and pay him though. I'm saying <laughs> not only that, uh, they better not be, <laughs> like they better not be a bottom 10 team next year. That'd be a pretty tough. Look, do you, do you think, what do you think Pirtle's going to get money wise? I know he's seeking in the neighborhood of 20 million. I would have a hard time seeing him getting that. I just don't know who else is going to give that to him. I think something in the 15 to 18 million dollar range is probably where it nets out. Um, so that that would be my guess on him. Hey Pat, um, appreciate you coming on today, especially during deadline day. Um, thrilled that you're, you know, working with Stadium Sports um, as again their their front office insider. I, I hope that we can do this again down the line. 
Absolutely. Anytime. Happy to do it. Take care, Pat. Uh, there's Pat Garrity, former NBA forward and Pistons assistant GM. And yeah. Um, okay. So many thoughts, many, 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 many thoughts. Where do I begin? Where do I begin? I'm going to begin with the Pirtle price. It changes how I feel about it. Yeah. The Raptors aren't going to be a bottom 10 team next year in all likelihood. But do you think that's what they thought this year? Exactly. Do you think the Toronto Raptors started this season believing that they were going to be one of the worst 10 teams in the NBA, which right now they still are? Huh? Happens. Mm -hmm. So not being able to get this at least like top 10 protected to me is pretty weird. It's pretty strange. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It maybe ends up being later than that, but okay. Let's say they're not one of the bottom 10 teams. Could they end up forking over the 16th overall pick, the 17th overall pick in next year's draft? I think that that's pretty, like, that's a kind of a strong possibility at this point. So my guess was top 20 protected, 15 to 20. Mm. It ends up being six. Six. That's a, that's a notable difference, okay? That's a bold maneuver for a pending free agent center who can't shoot and who wants $20 million a year in free agency. Mm -hmm. This is my other thing with this. Okay. Um, Let's say they do move off of Gary Trent and let's say they do move off of OG, which are two things, right? Like all these guys, these three players on the Raptors, we're all working under the assumption that they could actually move off of them. So if there was at least potential to move off of these guys, why would you not just roll the dice with Jacoperto, go into free agency and go like that mindset, that mentality that I just had with Pat of how much your team's looking at this going, Hey, we could do OG for three first round picks, but we could get Royce O'Neal or Dorian Finney Smith for just one of them late protected, whatever you have to have that kind of thinking. How much of this Pirtle deal? Like, are you really losing when you say, Hey, we get Pirtle, but we lose a first and multiple second round picks. It's only top six protected. It could be a real disaster. Like this has the makings (laughs) of potential cataclysmic future implications. If it ends up being a lottery pick, like the best players in the NBA don't always just go one, two, three. Yeah. Pretty sure the Suns just traded for Kevin Durant because they nailed what the 13th pick in the draft with Devin Booker. So, Saying, oh, whatever, they won't be there. Ah, That's an assumption that you can't make because that was the assumption they made this year, and it is not the case. Maybe they finished the year up the track, but now that's exactly what nobody wants, right? (laughs) Like Pat kept saying it. Hey, they might end up being the five seed or the six seed. That is going to make people here furious outside of the crowd of people who, whatever, power to you, that just want to go to a Raptors game and see a win Mm -hmm. and just want to enjoy their night out their ticket and get into the postseason, have a beer down at the stadium, have a glass of wine down at the stadium and, you know, enjoy the show, enjoy the the entertainment product. But from the standpoint of those of us who like the big picture with stuff, this is getting harder and harder and harder to understand. Boy, I'm really trying not to bury them because I really think that OG is going to get traded today. Mm -hmm. I, I would be perplexed if he didn't, but all of a sudden, you know, Everyone assumed when the the Kevin Durant trade happened, 
uh, I saw all the memes and jokes about like using uh, the, my favorite, the wire as a reference for this is the price of the brick going up. And I went, I don't know. Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith, like those guys are still out there and available. Mm-hmm. OG's way better, but Pat just said it. Are you really going to move in three future first round picks? Are you really going to feel that level of pressure? And if you're Messiah, are you going to be willing to take that step back? Or does he just go, you know what? We'll see in the off season. I'll do the exact same thing as Kyle Lowry. I've done it before. I'll do it again. And we'll run this group and we'll go. We're not moving anybody. And we're going to go into the playoffs and we're going to do our damnedest. Great. They might win around. They might win. No, they won't win two, but they'll win one. Like I said, I think as bad as this Raptor season has been, every single game I watched them against Knicks, Hawks, Bulls, Wizards, Pacers, I expect to win. Mm. Nets now too. Like again, you can throw that in there. The Nets beat them a couple times this year. That's a couple of their losses. The Nets ain't the Nets anymore. The Nets are done. The Nets are cooked. Toronto's 3-0 against Cleveland too. (laughs) Yeah. Randomly. Yeah. I think over a seven-game series, though, Cleveland would yeah. end up being the better team. I, I would expect so, too. But, yeah, it does feel like Toronto loaded up with the Yaka Pirtle thing to compete now. You know why? Because they went, hey, what's in the East? Well, there's Giannis Tenacumbo. We want to protect the rim from him. Yep. There's Joel Embiid. We need to have a body that can actually d- serviceably defend him. Yep. And there's Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, and we need to have somebody inside who can bang with those bodies, too. Mm-hmm. This is a we are stacking ourselves up against those teams. Just don't think you're there. No. I just don't think you're there, and I don't think anybody else does either. So you're going to need some breaks. You're going to need some breaks to win. But now that's it. The expectation is that you're trying to win now in the next two years. Yeah. Because why else? What are you doing? You're just trying to stay in the middle with no pick <laughs> and develop Scotty. I like Scotty Barnes. I think he's a really good player. His clutch stats are incredible. I love the energy that he plays with. I like his playmaking, his vision. He's made a lot of strides this year. Yeah. But the merge, the timeline thing has never felt all that realistic to me. Yeah. It's been a trend on this show from the beginning of the season is you can't merge the timelines, pick a direction. And he's he's been better, and that's great. It's just devaluing this year's pick when there is a chance at generational talent at the top of the draft so that you can get a better shot at the five seed <laughs> while also losing a first round pick next year. That's only top six protected. Yeah. This in a vacuum is all a disaster. Yeah. It's so very weird. we'll see again. We'll see, but I guess <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems like their gamble is that Scotty Barnes does develop into this top I, I don't, 10, be, top I don't believe five that. player. Right? I don't think that this is about Scotty Barnes as much as it is about Siakam. Okay. This is about the organization going, well, they just went out and got his best buddy. Best buddy, yeah. Who's had his age and who they need to pay right now. Yeah. I, like, this is about Siakam, not about Scotty Barnes. If it was about Scotty Barnes, they would be resetting. They would be going, hey, Scotty's only 21 years old. He's not trying to win. He's not trying to be a champion next year. Yeah. Like, we just learned this lesson with Jason freaking Tatum last year. Yes. Where it was, hey, you know what? The grind of getting all the way to the top is a little bit much at 25 years old. There's not really a precedent 
of guys doing this at this age and being the team's best player. Mm -hmm. It is unbelievably rare. Look, I know the NBA is different now than it used to be back then, but look how long it took LeBron. Look how long it took MJ. Like, that's LeBron and MJ, okay? So, took Yards a while, too. Yeah, forgive me if we, well, I'm not going to put Scotty Barnes into this elevated, he's going to be the best (laughs) player on a championship winning team in the next two years. Like, it's not, I don't believe in that. And yeah, yeah, you can say that there's a core that's going to be around and that's going to be stronger and they could do this. Oh, we got to look at that this year. We got to look at that this year. And it sucked. And it's been a nightmare. And the 10th in the East, in this crappy Eastern Conference with all these horrific teams, the Raptors still sit 10th, okay? Yeah. That's the reality of the situation. And now what? They're going to look at this and go, we have a light schedule. We could beat up on a bunch of really bad teams and improve our record. Like, what is that? In the words of my hero, what is that even going to do for you? <laughs> Great reference. What is that even going to do for you? So, yeah, this all comes down to what ends up happening with OG Ananobi or Fred Van Vliet. But even then, it's like, okay, so you're taking a step back and you're retooling around this roster. Like, you really do believe in the score. It feels like, again, a little bit too much investment, a little bit of overvaluing your own assets and your own team right now. Mm-hmm. Everything has the caveat right now. I'll come on here tomorrow and completely flip the script if the Raptors dominate the rest of this day. I hope you know that. <laughs> There's four and a half hours left. Well, no, I just <laughs> still some time. I'm telling you, like, <laughs> but this in a vacuum is a nightmare. Yeah, this is in a vacuum is awful. And and like I said before, this is exactly this is the most unease I've ever felt amongst hardcore impartial Raptors fans. Mm. There's always going to be the diehard accounts that have you know one of the players names in their bio or in their Twitter handle who are going to just say, trust Masai, believe in Masai, you know, or you guys are idiots for not seeing the play, whatever. I don't don't care about that. I also don't care about the person that is just like a Raptors hater and wants to be right and is just already hating this and was going to hate no matter what was going to happen come deadline day. Like I said, Jakob Pertl, good player. Like him. Not a great player. Fine. Do not think that he's worth a first round pick. My opinion, Mm. don't think so at all. I think he's worth a first round pick if you're Boston you're trying to win a championship and you know who you are and you know you have Tatum and Brown tied up and you know how this is working and the depth of your team and yeah. the stability of your organization don't think it's worth it when you have no clue what your team is going to be next year so yeah barring some kind of a miracle move it is hard to see how this is going to work um, and yeah like so <laughs> this is the other part of this I love Nobody cares about second round picks and I don't really care about them either. Right. But the Raptors now moving off of all these picks. Like they just did a trade back. Cause they were like, we like Coloco. We don't feel it's that bad. Cause it's a second round pick. Okay. Well, that's gone. You don't have those. I guess those are easy to recoup in pretty much any of these deals. So that's why I'm not too worried about it, but it, it should at least be noted in this entire conversation. My God. Um, Okay, I need to just rapid fire some takes on some of these other trades while I've got them, okay? I'm shocked at how well the Lakers did yesterday. Mm -hmm. I was really impressed with the Lakers because the initial report, I went, you're going to flip Russell Westbrook into D'Angelo Russell? Like, Russell's one of those guys where the stats on paper with his shooting right now and the stats on what we've seen from him going back to the Nets when he had that one awesome season, people Mm -hmm. look at him and go, that's an awesome name brand and that's a great fit. He's one of those... I'm sorry, not great culture guys that like, he's not one. There's a reason why golden state brought him in and then went immediately like, Oh no, get (laughs) goodbye, sir. They got a great trade back. They ended up getting a Timberwolves pick. You kind of got to do that. But yeah, deloading lasted five seconds in the winning culture of golden state before they went 
Pack your bags. It didn't load for very long. Pack your freaking bags. Um, this is an indication to me anyways that Carl Anthony Towns is going to be the next guy that's on the trading block. Like he's going to be out of town pretty soon because you don't trade somebody's best buddy and bring in Mike Connolly Jr.'s um, aging body, let's just say. Still a good player. He's a fine player. He's a fine player. Good locker room guy. You are building <laughs> the Utah Jazz, except for at the expense of all your first round picks. <laughs> this is so funny, right? You're like, you you know what we liked? We liked those Jazz teams. Joe Ingles, come on down. Get ready. Playoff exits. Joe Ingles, you got to be nervous about the <laughs> price that, that Minnesota is going to put together to try to go and chase you and bring you there. Oh. Um, yeah, I think that Towns is going to end up being on the way out. Maybe they recoup a bunch of picks, but they're not going to be as good as the ones they have anyway. It's just Minnesota is just your, one of the top what the hell are you doing franchises always. And even landing a talent like Anthony Edwards, they're screwing it up. And they're going to so screw it sad. up. And how are you ever... How are you ever going to get I, – I love Edwards. He's one of my favorite personalities in the NBA. I feel like we don't get enough of him. And if he was on a – you know, it, like he's just the most – one of the most likable guys. But there have been maturity questions and diet questions, right? Even Carl Anthony Towns bubbled up over um, his diet at a media conference this year going, you guys think this is funny, but it's not. It's professional yeah. basketball and like we're trying to be professionals. And I don't think that it – like some of those guys take too lightly to the idea that he's out there talking about how he eats 20 bags of Cheetos a week. I was about to bring that up. Um, <laughs> but how are you going to end up keeping him accountable in a place where you lose and you suck? Mm -hmm. And are you going to be able to maintain him there for the long term? Especially once guys like Towns decide, you know what? I'd like to try greener pastures. I'd like to go somewhere else too. Um, so yeah. I didn't really love it for the Wolves. It was kind of just fine for them. You yeah. flipped Russell. You got back Connolly. Connolly's pretty old. He's not friendly with your guy. I don't think that he has as much value. Mm -hmm. Maybe he will next year on expiring. They can turn him into something to a team that's desperate for a vet. But as of right now, it's kind of underwhelming for them. I hate it for the Jazz. I think it's lame as hell for the Jazz. Like you already have a plethora of first round picks. I love Danny Ainge. Clearly he's, you know you know, former Blue Jays legend, <laughs> but this, uh, this is just kind of, so you gave up two solid rotation pieces who can shoot the hell out of the basketball to get back some weirdly protected first. That's a million, you know, a couple of years from now. Mm. I didn't love it for them. Do you think they buy out Russ? And he goes, yeah, somewhere else? So, do I yeah. think they buy out Russ? Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> just making, I'm just making sure. Here's, making here's sure. the problem with buying out Russ. Uh, what winning team <laughs> wants to bring in Russ? How, what kind of lunatic behavior do you have to have for your team to go, you know what we could use? Russell Westbrook. <laughs> you know what we'd like to do is bring in Russ, the guy who's played on five different teams over the tenure of his five-year contract. shooting the worst since he was a like, rookie. Give me a break. And who's shooting it more than he did last year. Yeah. Uh, the only guy that tried to freeze out LeBron on LeBron night, that kind of a teammate. <laughs> anyway, I just... Uh, I think someone will sign Russ. Yeah. Someone will do it. He's not playing for the jazz. Though. Someone will do it. Yeah. Someone will do it. I will fade that team. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Like he's, that's the thing about Russ. He just played with LeBron and AD and yeah, sure. I guess he kind of came off the bench a little bit, but no, he, yeah. he didn't change for those guys. So if you're an organization, you're delusional enough to think that you he's can sign Russ. Else. And that he's going to buy into your team and not just buy into Russ, you're out of your mind. Yeah. He's still the so, favorite for six man of the year, too. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Okay, great. <laughs> yes. 
I, I don't know how many times you need to learn uh, the uh, thing about Russ. Anyway, yeah. uh, I like it for the Lakers, though, because now all of a sudden they add three guys who can shoot, yeah. and now they're deeper, and they've got another guy who can score in isolation and create for them when LeBron doesn't need to play. Yeah. So to me, it's like it's, it's a half measure for the Lakers. If, if you have LeBron and AD, and especially like what AD continues to kind of look like, which is maybe he aged overnight, maybe it, it's just not ever going to be the same for him. Mm-hmm. He's not AD from the bubble anymore. No. Um, what he is, I'm not quite sure. But yeah, the, the timeline for these two is not, wow, these guys have the next four years in front of them. Every year is, it's like, what is it? Uh, that's why they call the why they call it the present, you know, because this is, oh. this is what you have. You got you, this, what you have is what you can see right now. Yeah. Everything beyond you cannot project outward to mm-hmm. around these guys. These are three really nice pieces that fit around them pretty well. Um, they all can shoot the three. They needed a ton of shooting. I like it from the standpoint of if I was the Lakers and you told me you can get the trade that JD proposed of getting Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr., or these three guys for a protected first and getting off Russ, I would have said I'd rather do that mm. because I still don't think that the Lakers can win a championship. It would take, it would be an incredible long shot, but you want to be in a position if somebody's injured or whatever that you cannot like, or maybe the Suns don't work out. Maybe they don't have enough depth. Maybe the Mavs don't work. Like we're making a lot of assumptions about a lot yeah. of these teams. The Lakers are, are more in it now than they were. And they only had to give up one pick yeah. and the full measure of using the, the two top picks or the two future first, there has not been an option presented to me where I think, Oh, well that makes the Lakers one of the best four teams in the West. Yeah. And so I don't mind it for them. In fact, I like it for them. Yeah. Initial thought hated it. When I first saw the idea of just like yeah. the three way <laughs> once, uh, once Vanderbilt and Beasley were involved, I went, I love this. Yeah. Both those guys. I actually really like. Um, the next trade, Josh Hart for a first Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish, whatever. Yeah. Again, talk about your just <laughs> non needle mover. I like it more for Portland because they're not going anywhere. Yeah. It sucks for Dame because Dame, he just continues to give everything to this franchise and they can't really find their way out of, this is the problem. Damian Lillard's too good. This is like, Hey, Raptors fans. You want to know who you might have the future of is uh, this team where you're always too good to be bad, yeah, but you're never bad enough to get good. And then you've got players like Damian Lillard who are really fun to watch and who the fan base loves to death. And you're kind of paralyzed by it because you can't bring in free agents. Even with him, they can't recruit. It's purgatory. And so, yeah, you just kind of stuck, but I, I like them adding a future first for Josh Hart, especially anything from the Knicks. Yeah. Can't remember what's the protection on it. I forget. I don't so have it. You don't think that Lillard could be the next star to demand out? Eh? That's kind of what I got the vibe on that trade more with nah. moving for future assets. Why? And they, in the they summer, they get a huge pack. last year. Yeah. And then in the summer, you get a huge package and you, you build the team around Sharp going forward. Uh, people have been impressed with him, right? So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's like, I, I think that they will keep Dame as long as Dame they wants can. to be there. Yeah. And I don't. If Dame didn't want out before, it's weird to think about him wanting out now. He just seems Portland to the core. Maybe. Again, we've thought this with other NBA superstars, and then they've ended up moving off their deals. But, yeah, there's just – I think Dame is different, and I think that he wants to be one of those guys that plays his entire career in one place. And, yeah, I I think that he, he values that a little differently. 
And as long as he has assurances from the franchise that like somebody like a Towns becomes available, right? That their team is going to use those picks and those younger players to get in on deals like that, which they absolutely still could. That's the thing about having Damian Lillard when he's still this is there's you're always kind of like at one move away from adding another star and talking yourself into being something. I don't see it, um, but maybe they do. Boy, still waiting. Like, Sima Hayek is also going in that deal with Portland too, Raptors legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Did I miss any of the trades or can I break? I've said them all. None of the big ones you missed. Oh, I did. Did I give my Kevin Durant opinion? No, you haven't heard about Kevin Durant. Yeah, yeah. that's what oh, I was going to say. I, I think I jumped KD. <laughs> we heard about it with Pat Garrity a we, little bit. But... We, we referenced it yeah. so much we forgot okay. to actually talk about it. <laughs> Everyone's going, the Nets did well. No, they didn't. The Nets signed Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and then traded a bunch of draft picks for James Harden, and they got nothing out of it. And they lost them all. Yeah, they got nothing out of it. That is... Someone put up a graphic of what was more disappointing, the Lakers, this version of Lakers, or the Nets. It's like, what the hell? There's nothing more disappointing than this Nets team. Yeah. This is a Hall of Fame. This is a meme forever, which is kind of crazy about KD's legacy and why he sort of needs this win with Phoenix badly now. (laughs) Because right now, his legacy will always be, okay, you won championships and you were a really great player, but you were with arguably the greatest team of all time. Then you went and you tried to create a super team, Mm -hmm. and it is the standard bearer for (laughs) failure in this league. And for not meeting expectations. I'll I'll never forget when those guys all got together. When I can't believe this is happening, where it's going to be so unfair that no one will be able to beat these guys and will still not know about Kevin Durant. And then somehow, some way it completely fell apart. Yeah. The Nets having a bunch of draft picks is nothing. And yeah, you traded Kevin Durant. Of course you were going to get a stud piece back. It's Kevin Durant. So they get bridges who I really like, Mm -hmm. but you're stuck with Ben Simmons (laughs) who Scared of the fourth quarter. Watch any... No, it's not even scared of the fourth quarter. Watch any five minutes of a Nets game and how his teammates interact with him. There's not one guy in the NBA. Like, do you know who gives him daps? The guys at the very end of the bench. That's it. The, the guys who man. are... Exactly. The, the <laughs> very end of the bench guys, those the only dudes on the team that are like, yeah, way to go, Ben. Um, when Kyrie is saying, I'm just glad he got out of there, I think he's I, taking a shot at management. He's taking a shot at ownership and who, you know, he said he wasn't in field one of there. I think he's also saying, well, it's he, nice he said he felt disrespected by Brooklyn. No, I know. But I think that he's also like, I'm just glad he got away from Ben Simmons. And I, I think that, yeah, that's pretty much the case. So yeah, now Ben Simmons is your team. You and Mikhail Bridges, this is just a nightmare. Oh my And goodness. you got all these picks and you'll get more picks for Royce O'Neal and uh, Dorian Finney-Smith for the Suns. I love my sons. Go sons. Sons are back. This kind of sucks because I was really in on the Kings and I was a Kings fan and I've been really loving the Sacramento Kings. They're my like, close one for my Kings last night. Kind of a cheap one for my Kings against the Rockets. It <laughs> wasn't a great feeling. They Your get free Kings? Throws. Yeah, I love my Kings. I have a, I have a white chocolate jersey. All right. I oh, can nice. throw on a Kings oh, jersey. Nice. Yeah. I've, <laughs> young JD was ripping elbow passes. I actually got benched in a, ba- in a game once because I threw the elbow pass. I was really? good at it. They oh, benched yeah. you for that? Yeah. Yeah, uh, man. They're hating. Yeah, this is but a different 90s time. Canada basketball elbow passes were not loved. <laughs> no, I was just saying like, they weren't. If it worked, I I could dime it. Get it down low. <laughs> I would still do man. it today, hundred <laughs> percent. Elbow pass. I practiced that many many times. Anyway, um, quick. I guess is this the end of the show? 
whatever. Austin. He's like, we got to go. I'm like, what's happening here? We got to break. <laughs> we have to break. But yeah, obviously anytime you get Kevin Durant, I love it. Especially when you don't have to remove Devin Booker and Chris Paul. I'm not an Aiton guy. I'm sure they would have loved to have given up Aiton over Bridges. But Aiton also makes more sense with this team now. And just hopefully they can get Aiton to not be so soft all the time. He's like, he's their Engvall where they're like, man, if this guy could just hit, he would be awesome. He'd be, what they need is like, that's how they feel about him. Just like taking his body and going towards the basket instead of away from it every single time. <laughs> Engvall away from the net, Aiton away from the net. They're the same guy. Uh, anyway, quick break. Let's come back. Let's wrap this sucker up.